Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode about relationship ambivalence. Maybe you are in loops of fights, you have unmet needs, or you are, I don't know, in a constricting place where both people are pulling, or one person's pulling, and then the other person's pulling, and then the other person's pushing, whatever's happening. This is for you if you are ambivalent about a relationship that is well established. So usually what that means is just the novelty has worn off, you're less shiny than you were when you met each other, and now any imbalances have had time to kind of set in. So for anyone who perhaps is negotiating, standing up for yourself, and also negotiating, accommodating your relationship to make it, you know, livable and peaceful and loving, hopefully. Um, This is also for you if you find yourself um, blowing up all the time, like you're angry all the time, or alternately, if your partner is angry all the time. And maybe you find that you are kind of reducing yourself, making your needs smaller, making yourself more tolerant, talking to yourself um, when your partner blows up at you. And so you're kind of talking yourself into staying all the time. Um, And if you're in that situation, I'm guessing you feel suck because you don't know how to help yourself. You don't know what actions to take. And, And I would say a lot of that is when you are watching your own actions and they kind of swing to two different poles. It's really hard to know how you actually feel or where you guys stand because, you know, you are not leaving the relationship you're watching yourself stay in the relationship um so a large part of you is not ready to leave it yet but if you are in that kind of weighing stage or the calculation stage this is an episode for you so you might be constantly asking yourself do I want to be with this person or am I over it what is happening is this fixable um and so maybe you're going from love to hate pretty often Um, You also might be asking, why can't my partner see me? Why can't they hear me? Why are we having the same fight all the time? What the hell happened? Why did they suddenly blow up at me? So this is a broad topic. It obviously has a lot of variables. um, But hopefully it'll give you some insight that you didn't have before you listened to it. And um, hopefully you'll also get some tools out of it. I wanted to give my general caveat with all relationship fight episodes which is this is not an episode for you if you are in physical danger or if you are with somebody who um, could possibly hurt you so if you are with a person who does that like I mean physical danger if you're with a person who does that I'm going to put the link I always put in these episodes in the show notes 
which I would start with that. It's a domestic violence hotline resource. Do not take these tools, use that instead. Um, And with that, there are three parts to this episode, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. And heads up, we're going to hear from our sponsors right before the tools section. All right, part one, the what. A relationship with a person that you likely love, but your relationship has had an extreme amount of fights and you can't seem to figure out why. And maybe you get lost in those fights and maybe there are the fights are over things that start pretty, you know, tame or, or maybe you start these fights very thoughtfully. Like you bring up something you want from them that you are not getting. <laughs> if you can hear my daughter squealing in the background, apologies. Um, and maybe you practice the shit out of what you're going to say. And then whatever conversation ends up in a totally different place. And everything is like the, you know, most dire result. Like, are we even going to be together? Or maybe the relationship flips between, you know, you guys want to be together, but we cannot be together to like, I don't want to be with you. I don't even like you. Just poles. Alternately, this could be a relationship that is already set up on terms that give you next to nothing. So maybe you want love, you want intimacy, you want commitment, you want honesty. And at the beginning of the relationship, they sold you on that dream. And now it's you just are not getting any of it. So you're kind of waiting for crumbs that sustain you, but barely, barely get enough. So you're hoping and praying for crumbs. And over time, you watch yourself take less and less, and you stay. And you think, am I happy? Do I want this? Is this ever going to change? You keep hoping it's going to change. And then you'll get like, just when you're starting to pull away, you'll get that like, just a tiny blip of bliss for a second. So it keeps you kind of staying around and circling back. But if you bring up something that upsets you, that you want, there's anger in return. Or there's criticism of you or you're talked out of that feeling like this is your fault. You're doing this wrong. You're crazy for wanting that. So in in general, the relationship cannot be discussed. You know, the situation cannot be aired out or talked through. It's as if there's a uh, an explosive fuse around exploring the terms of the relationship. And maybe that's also on your side. Maybe you are also one who is short fused. And, you know, when they do something that you don't like, it immediately makes you tip into criticism, being defensive, exploding. So net net, the what is a relationship where you are in loops of fights and you are not sure this is fixable and there's no real ability to talk about what's really happening Um, so you can't figure out what you want and you don't know what to do to fix it part two the why when fights are a regular occurrence it's because there is a deeper set of unmet needs or one or both parties is mentally unwell in some way which affects capacity to meet another partner's needs so In addition to that, when it comes to attachment to a partner, we have opposing goals often. We have a goal of staying connected, of 
being, uh, you know, completely enmeshed with that person. And we also have a goal of self-preservation and, you know, protecting ourselves, fighting for our needs to be met. So you might be going between those two things. There's also a meta reason behind fights, meaning there's something deeper and more basic that people are saying with lots of other words. So another way to say that is the fights are not about what they're about. Usually our fight loops are where two people are saying their complaints to one another, but the other person's not hearing them because they're, they're something that is not, it's like a little bit removed from consciousness. Um, so for example, one person might be saying with their meta communication, you don't see how hard I'm trying. I'm, I'm unworthy. Just leave me be and, and go find somebody else who is worthy. But they're saying it in other words. And then the other person might be saying, why won't you see me? I'm lonely. Why can't you meet my needs? So these will be said with other conflicts as kind of like the, the superficial language. And so both people will be kind of like still arguing their meta case and explaining constantly. And whatever shields they have up are kind of things that are unrelated to the, the core issues. So if you are flipping between love and hate in your relationship, so you're flipping between I want to stay connected or I want to get the fuck out of here, and that has you kind of confused, I will also add that emotional states are very, our emotions are very myopic. So when things are good and you have your needs met, you, might, you will feel like this is great. I love this person. This is the life I want. I would never walk away from this. And then when you are conversely in that anger state and you have, you're living in the unmet needs state, you uh, will be kind of flipping to the, I need to protect myself. I need to stand up for myself. I am done. And I will say that like those two emotional states um, are often tied to very specific experiences or very specific ages in our life. So for example, if you like went through a really specific trauma where you had to protect yourself as an adult, that that response will be kind of like that age self kind of coming up and being like, no, I am not going to take this. Conversely, the clinging self is usually a much younger identity, like uh, a child, for example. Another possible why behind your conflicts, you might be unknowingly with a person who is manipulating you and making you feel like the fights are about something related to you. And that is because they are insecure. I talk to a lot of people who are trying to get out of bad relationships. And the one thing I notice again and again is that, that the gaslighting keeps them trapped because they cannot see what is really happening. So they get kind of spun in this web of confusing defenses, like about it, the fights end up being about them and what they have asked for. And, and they're still trying to explain themselves and they're still trying to say like over and over again, but I tried to do this and maybe it is my fault because I did this and that's that thing they said was right. But then I, so in other words, if you are with a person who is manipulating you and they are making you feel like it's your fault, you might be so confused because of the word salad of like the constant uh, spinning you around in a circle. 
And that is because that is their defense. That's how they get you to be controlled. And you also might be really conflicted because they know exactly how to press your buttons. So they might turn on the charm as soon as you start to head out the door. And so because they turn into the person you want to be with right when you're ready to get out of the relationship, you might not know how to get yourself out of this situation because there's opposite realities constantly existing, you know, so it'll feel like there's no solution because you're dizzy, you know, you start to get lost as soon as you start to bring up the real issues and express your needs, then you get lost in the conversations and the, and the fights, you know, and I'm guessing the fights turn into you are crazy, you're irrational, you want too much, you're expecting too much, the things you expect are ridiculous. See this proof point, that proof point, see I did this for you, I did that for you, you did blank wrong, whatever it is. So you might start with a very clear intention of solving something and end up like, wait a minute, what? Did Am I wrong? Did I really? Like you're in constant defense mode. Um, a related other possible cause behind the situation you're in is the person you are with is very unhappy and angry. Um, in general, when a person is angry all the time, it's because they are very unhappy. And that is usually because they don't like themselves. So if a person's angry all the time, you can't do anything right. Small issues become big issues. Um, small missteps become big lengthy conversations about why that thing is such a big deal and why that thing is your fault or how that's the source of all ills in the world. You know what I mean? So if a person you are with is defensive and angry and unhappy, um, that means A, you can't do anything right. Nothing can ever just be peaceful and good. And B, nothing can ever be about you. Nothing can be um, about your needs. And nothing can be simple and straightforward. And I would say a lot of people who have rage issues are just people who deep down believe in a core way that something is wrong with them and they cannot tolerate anything touching that. Like it's such a tender nerve. Anything that comes close to it makes them explode. And that is why a lot of people who are um, very mentally unwell, like narcissistic people, for example, cannot tolerate anything other than adoration they just collect fans because anything that contradicts that is like such an offense you know it's such an injury so it's like that's really what they need in order to feel okay it's just a fan so that means that the partner has to be completely devoid of all needs and wants and equality a need for equality so if if you are in a relationship with an angry or controlling person you likely feel like you're on eggshells all the time. There's an attack on everything you say. It's kind of like anything you bring up um, that could possibly be an unmet need is uh, an insult. It's offensive to that person. So suddenly you might end up in a loop, like you get attacked back and you feel criticized and you feel um, like I would, I often refer to it as there's a war on words. Like the, the discussions you have are turn into 
what you said that was wrong? How could you have said it? How could you um, be such a hypocrite? Or I know it's always turned around on you. And it's, it's all of this, this looping, all this fighting and pointing back at you. It's a ruse to point you away from the real issue, which is this person hates themselves. Separate from this, another root cause of fights in a relationship is a person with a lack of confidence or a feeling of value, and therefore they don't feel safe in the relationship. And I'm not saying like this is not the like um, kind of uh, as aggressive of a a trait, but a person who feels um, insecure and does not have confidence, who cannot self-reflect, is just by default defensive and when you're a defensive person you cannot be wrong you cannot look at your own um, role in something or it's very difficult for you to do that and that is because you're constantly trying to prove to yourself um, I have worth I I I'm not worthless and also I would say like if you are in a relationship with a person who is angry all the time or narcissistic or depressed if you are unstable unstable in a relationship or you don't feel like made to feel like connected all the time so if you're constantly like are we together do you love me am am I a good partner like if you get crumbs from the other person you might also feel insecure in your relationship because you don't feel unconditionally loved or if that person makes you feel like disposable or that they could do without you, if, if they could take it or leave it, that kind of thing, that would make you feel like you don't have anything concrete to hold on to. So that could be another reason that the defensiveness is coming up. If you don't feel like you are unconditionally loved, then you feel like maybe things are tentative like they're falling apart all of the time so it kind of makes you more clingy than you would normally be um and when it comes to feelings of unworthiness often when people live out a belief in unworthiness they will do the opposite or their life will will prove the opposite in order to make them feel okay with living with a sense of unworthiness so that person might you know achieve great status they might seek out power and respect but the deeper work needs to be done still it it cannot change that core belief on its own so either way if a person contradicts that feeling it usually triggers defensiveness or anger so if that is true of your partner I would say first thing to know is you cannot fix them you cannot cure them You cannot talk them out of it. You cannot love them out of it. They have to do work for themselves on this issue. What you can do is set firm boundaries. And I think that's kind of the impetus for them to do work on themselves is if you start to set firm boundaries. And what I mean by that is drawing a clear line in the sand about what you are willing to tolerate and what you are not willing to tolerate and what you expect from a partner. And if you stop doing the same dance and you step back, this is when people have an opportunity to see where you end and they begin. And it's a 
it creates some space, some air. Um, and if you're wondering about the why behind you and why you have ended up in a relationship like this, n- very simply, the, the why comes down to you having an extremely high threshold for neglect and, uh, and or an th- extremely high threshold for abuse or anger or rage. So just chew on that for a minute. If you are a person who grew up not getting enough love and affection, you are adept at being with pretty much anyone. You can tolerate being in a relationship with a plant. <laughs> like that's how tolerant you are. And if you feel or if you grew up with like a rage, rageful parent, you are also adept at being in a type in a relationship with people who have rage where you are. Um, it's like the, you know. Almost like having a, a tolerance to heat or something. It's like that you can be burned for a really long time. Whereas somebody else would be like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So if you are um, in a relationship like this, I would say you also feel comfortable being the one who is the controller, quote unquote. And what I mean by that is you are the person who makes sure somebody else is happy. You watch what they're doing. You're constantly checking up on them. You're observing their behavior and reacting. So as I said, if you are currently in a relationship with someone who is angry or self-loathing, it's really important to help yourself by drawing healthy boundaries and keep your actions aligned with what you want. We have to start walking the walk of our true desires or true beliefs and I think one of the key problems for a lot of people is at the beginning of this process of the beginning of this realization we don't have the muscles to do that just yet like we we may know that that's what we have to do we don't have the ability or the strength to stand behind our own best thinking and actually walk that walk so the process will evolve over time but we just have to start where we are we have to start with awareness and really claiming that truth and claiming that reality. And eventually we can start to move into actions that feel right and safe to us. And, and we do it in our own time. I will say that it's really helpful to have a therapist for yourself, especially during this time. But um, I would also remind you, stay really connected to your own voice and not somebody else's. I think whenever we go through relationship conflicts, it's really easy to be swayed by the beliefs of another person because we are ambivalent. So that might be a friend, it might be a parent, it might be the therapist. And to be clear, with this episode, I am not talking you into any solution. I'm not talking you into taking any side. That is only something that you can decide. The decision that is right is the one that you choose. And the best thing I would like to give you is an energy shift. That is what I'm trying to curate. Air, newness, space to see things more clearly. Some space or or a blip in this loop where you can see a little bit more of your own power and see also more clearly what might be happening. Because I think when we get trapped in loops, we get um, lost in their terms and we also get hyper-focused on the details or the specific words. It's like we can't, we get so, we're like, it's like looking at a dot on a wall versus standing back and seeing the whole picture. So when we can pull back and create an energy shift, we can change the outcome. We can shake things up. So when in a loop, change is good. 
So before I go into the tools, here is a brief word from our sponsors. Part three, the how, the tools. All right, the first tool is called love is a shared reality. I think that is true. Like if you have a shared reality with your partner, then you can build a relationship and you can work on problems, but things have to be talked about. So if you can't have that, something needs to change because, um, I think most people think, well, I have my own agenda and that person has their own agenda and I don't know where they stand and they don't know where I stand. If that's the case, it's like you're, you're basically existing in different spheres. And when you are on the same page, the truth can be, you know, solved. Like the things that need to happen can be made to happen. And that is a hard process, but it's actually ultimately in service of all of your goals that you have together. So how do you get to a shared reality if you don't have one? For most people, I would say that's a couples counselor. Um, I know from a lot of you that there are a lot of bad couples counselors out there. I know for myself, there are a lot of bad out there. But alternately, if you had a, um, a mediator or a coach or anybody that you you think has their head on straight, I think could be helpful in this process. Um, I would also say just when you have your conversations, be in the most sober, emotionally sober place you can be and talk about things in the most kind and respectful and neutral way possible. And maybe that means you have to email each other. I know for a lot of people, emotional behavior is very triggering. And so we can feel like we can't be in the same room to even talk about things. Um, I think a lot of emotional displays are misinterpreted by one another and they are also triggering. So just chew on how is the best way for us to get to a same page on what is happening, how we feel, what we want, um, and what we are personally going through. And if you can't get into a shared reality, that is, that's some, that's a, a place to be. That's for you to know and to chew on. What, how do I feel about that impossibility? All right, the next tool is called, I kind of already touched on this, safe and sober and on equal ground. As I said, decisions are best made when both people feel safe and when they're their most confident. And also, importantly, when both people have an equal amount of power. And I think that's really important information to have because if you are making decisions that are threat-based or if one person has more bargaining chips, you know, that is when uh, problems cannot be solved. When there is an imbalance of power, we need to take steps to make sure both people have what they need in order to feel safe and empowered to take care of themselves. And I would say that is how real concrete resolution is best arrived at. So if you are a person who has less power, I would say do some research on how you can protect yourself, all the things you need in order to move to a place that gives you equal power, just for you to know. I think that's just a really important step to take. It's just do your homework, empower yourself. And if you are overwhelmed by your emotions just in general and if you can't tell where you are and you can't tell what what steps to take I would say just a, a little tip often your body knows 
what you want before you do mentally. And I, I think one thing that's helpful is actually study your own actions and see where you stand. You know, often over, um, emotions are so overwhelming that we can't see all of what we feel at the same time. So one thing that will help you get to know how you feel is watch your actual behavior over time. Like what do you do in times when action is needed? Watch what your, your mouth actually says to friends and, and read what you write in your own journal. It's this weird kind of like disassociation that we do when we have like lots of big opposing emotions. It's like, like we can see what we actually feel, but our brain can't really hold on to it oftentimes. So just like look, observe, do a little observation of your past behaviors and the trend of what your, your journal entries say. All right, the next tool, set consequences in if this person is getting worse in their behavior towards you then there is a very good chance it will continue in this trajectory and that is based on a lot of things but one thing in particular is just statistics um, on abuse and if a person has been verbally abusive it will likely happen again and it will likely increase so if also true if somebody has been physically abusive towards you it will progress. So if there is something that is happening in your relationship that is not good, that you do not want to have happen, you have to create consequences. Otherwise, you are basically saying it's okay for this thing to continue. And that might be something that's new and scary. And you might think to yourself, but like, I have no power, I have no tools, I have nothing to barter with. I there are no consequences that I can create. I have nothing. And if that's what you think, let's just brainstorm briefly. What are the things you can control? You can control access to yourself. You can leave the house. You can leave the room. You can call your family and you can have them help you make your partner leave. Or you can ask a friend to come and stay with you. Or you can uh, just remove access to you altogether. These are all things that you have control over. But we have to make it real. We have to make there be a line before too much. And only you can decide what you want to be the precedent of your relationship. So this is just something to put on your radar. All right, the next tool is called snip the loop. When it comes to things like blow up fights where damage is done and feelings are hurt, often these are kind of default settings that the brain relies on because it's just something we have practiced you know and the more frequently you practice it the more kind of unconscious that loop is you know and that is because when we are heightened we go into that reptile brain so we become like a, basically a sims version of you emotionally and when you are that person you're pretty dumbed down you don't have a lot of resources you don't have reflective thought you don't have access to all of your wisdom and so in that if that is occurring for you, what we need to do is replace the behavior. We can't just say, I'm not going to do that again, or I'm not going to say that again, because anger is explosive and it needs like an exit. It's just like, you know, electricity. You can't just say like, I'm not going to feel angry. You just need, you need a new default and we have to practice that default in times when we, when we are not in the loop itself, when we're not in the reptile brain. 
Additionally, we also need to gut the root of the anger. And that is something that probably will take a lot longer. Um, because anger is usually a result of, you know, whatever it is, not feeling happy in your life. Maybe there's a lot of stress. There's a lack of resources. There's a lot of um, pressures, a lot of caregiving need, all the other stuff that comes from, you know, being an adult and surviving. So while you are also attacking the root causes of the anger, I want you to journal on what can I do to replace this default setting of my loop? Like what's the thing that you say that you're not supposed to say or what's the thing you do that you shouldn't do? And what is an alternative? What's something that you can call out simply, something super basic in that moment? Or what's an action you can take that's a substitute for the other action? Second journal entry to ponder, what is the anger from? Like just let's just call out some usual suspects. What could be the root causes? And just recognize them for what they are. The real causes need some sort of relief, you know, just like a plant needs water to live. We need to give, we, when in doubt, bring about space, meaning space from one another, um, space from the situation. This allows us to just see the ingredients of what's happening and also allows you to see yourself as an individual versus you stuck in this whip. All right, the next tool transcription service. So this is another journal entry. Wanted to invite you to ponder, what is this fight really about? And this is in terms of like just the meta communications, like what is the the actual real thing that they're kind of searching for on a loop in their lives? And also, I want to invite you to ponder what you are saying. What is your real conflict about? I'm guessing that this fight is not because they didn't do the dishes or you didn't, they didn't show up for the thing you wanted them to show up for or you aren't getting enough of the blank that you need from them. It's probably a much simpler, more basic core need. And so just I want you to transcribe like what's theirs and what's yours. It doesn't have to be right. You can come up with a couple of them. It's just helpful to start to step back and see like, huh, maybe we're having opposite conversations at the same time. Maybe I'm having the same issue on a loop that I always have. Maybe they're having a completely separate loop and it's about a deeper, more basic, more primal problem. All right. Next tool is called maker breaks. So as I said, only you can decide what you are willing to tolerate and what you should tolerate. And I think a lot of us don't even consider that. We don't even think about like, what is my line, you know? So I would just take a minute, jot it down. What are your terms for being in a relationship with this person? And what are you willing to tolerate? And, and whatever your list says, I would say like, great, know it. Say, I will not take this. I will take this. I, I won't take this. I won't take this. I want this. But when you know this knowledge, be very careful to be measured in your moves. I think a lot of time partners feel when they own what they want and they're like, eh, I'm ready to enforce this. The other person in your relationship will feel confused and attacked if it comes all at once. So if you feel safe doing so, it might be nice to share your wants with your partner. 
so it's not completely coming out of left field. All right, the next tool, I love slash I hate. And this is a tool for just awareness. I'm going to call it love tank awareness. I want to ask you how empty has your tank gotten? How empty has their tank gotten? And I mean, by that, I mean, like we fill up each other's love tank by like doing gestures of love for them and vice versa. And if your tank with each other, let's say like life has been stressful, you're both depleted, neither person is giving to each other's tank, you're going to be kind of running on empty for a long time. And so if you are in this state for a long period of time, you might get a tiny dose of love and it'll it'll fill you up for that day, but it's depleted immediately afterward because you don't have that baseline fullness. So that could be a reason you are swinging between, I love this person, I cannot stand this anymore. When there is major maintenance that needs to be done on the relationship, you might find that you are pervasively unhappy and then when good things happen like one good day happens you feel like everything's all right again this is wonderful and then you're swinging back to like I need more from you so that's just like that might be the main issue next tool which is somewhat related solving for the fuel shortage I think one really important element of relationships is knowing each other's love language and if especially if you guys don't have the same ones mine is physical touch and when I have physical touch all's right in the world but for a lot of people if we don't know what the other person's love language is we might think we're filling their tank up all the time by saying nice things to them but maybe that's not actually their love language so don't presume and they could be harder to read. They might not even know what theirs is. So um, check on this issue. It's key. If neither tank is being filled, that's a problem. And a lot of people, as I said, don't know what love languages are. Um, I'm going to put a link to the book in this episode. And I think there's actually an online quiz. I'm going to try and find one. And I would challenge you to to get your partner to take it and to do it yourself just so you know this is the thing that allows this person to feel love it allows them to feel fulfilled it allows them to feel happy in a relationship it's very healing positive energy that allows you to both feel safe and secure I think it's vital to solve for a fuel shortage like this because um, a lot of the time it will feel like uh, you know finally this person is appreciating me when you've been appreciating appreciating them the whole time but just it it wasn't hitting them at all it didn't feel true for them it didn't feel like valid which is weird I know but just for whatever it's worth a lot of the time if you are enacting things for this partner based on their love language it will feel weird and unnatural and awkward and forced on your part but it is still effective and powerful in how it soothes and fills your partner and it will also reduce the pain of um, unhappiness in both people all right the next tool the two selves I brought this up briefly but as I said we have different selves it could be more than two I think we have a lot of different emotional selves that are paused at different ages so one might be the adult self who learned all the right tools to protect you from whatever big trauma you had as a kid or any you know lackings you had as a kid and 
You also might have like a child emotional self that's like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be lonely. And so we might swing between the responses of those two emotional bodies. So this is kind of our swinging from safe to not safe, or I know how to take care of myself. I don't want to be alone. So it's like these emotional personalities, I could say, are often conflicting. And usually like the adult self is trying to protect, the child self is trying to cling. So if you are struggling with this, know that often the truth is just somewhere in the middle. And when you are the safest and most capable, like when you feel the most sober emotionally, this is when you are the most able to access your, your personal truth. And oftentimes we cannot act on a situation, not because, um, we are scared or we are incapable. It's just because we have not decided yet. We have not completely resolved what we want just yet. And I think a lot of the time it's because we have to talk through all of the shit and we have to give our partners the, our shared reality. We have to create a shared reality. And so both partners can decide and have the opportunity to change. And that I think is the, mo- the key gift to give one another. Assuming you're not with somebody who is <clears throat> dangerous to you, <clears throat> excuse me, or incapable of being in a relationship. If you are both capable create the shared reality and give each other the opportunity to change. And if there is that opportunity given, things can shift. And I will also say, when you talk about real hard stuff and you both have the goal of communication and hearing each other out, dramatic shifts can happen from one conversation, from a difficult but real conversation things can alter dramatically because we a lot of the time there is a lot of misinterpretation happening a lot of misreadings that both people have been doing when you think the actions you're taking are obvious in intention the other person might not actually know that at all so don't be afraid of really honoring the relationship by confronting things and by correcting unhealthy loops that are maybe enabling a, something hurtful to both people to continue. So I hope that all makes sense. I hope this is helpful. And before I close, I want to thank all of my sponsors. Thank you so much for helping out the show. Anyone who wants to make a donation, you can head to yaywithme.com and click donate, or you can head to patreon.com slash And if not, totally understand if you could leave a review on iTunes those also help me as well so in closing I wanted to give you just some context for what you might be going through some people are dealing with big picture self stuff and some people are dealing with small picture day-to-day you know I had to do this you had to do that stuff so you might have a partner who is dealing with the big picture stuff. You might have a partner who's dealing with depression or struggling with low confidence and or life stage stuff. And that is not about you. That is about them. So it's not about the dishes or the bills. It's, it's, and I'm not excusing it. It's just to give you context for why you might be on a different level than they are. And there's a chance that that is something that will not change, you know, 
But either way, we can with creating a shared reality or working through the real concrete issues, we can give ourselves the opportunity to choose based on what's really happening, you know, from that place, we can choose the proper course of action. And we can see if it is worth it to stay and wait, or if it's not, and we can take the necessary steps to also correct where we can, you know, we can mend those fuel shortages. The fights or bringing up of conflicts can actually be healing. And we have to have hard talks to actually relieve issues and move forward. And there is such a thing as feeling relief once you are seen and heard. It can give you new knowledge and insight into a person. And it can give you newness, period. And that is the goal to feel less resentful, more loving, more capable, more aware, uh, and less trapped. So I hope this is helpful. I send you my love and I feel for you if you're in this situation and, uh, don't forget to smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.